when you get that first PayPal payment or something, it's always a PayPal payment. I don't know why, but when, when you get that first PayPal payment, uh, there's something magic about it where you're saying that in my case, I was getting money for some, for an idea. It wasn't even a thing I had developed yet. This is episode 20 of the Online Course Guy podcast. I am Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that, and now I'm proud to say that after eight years of working as a full-time engineer, I have quit my job and focused completely and support my family completely for my online piano course. Today on the show, I was joined by Tom Geis, who has his own online course, and he was also a full-time engineer, but he quit his job and he's focusing now on his online course based on a niche of engineering. He actually switched gears and is now doing something very similar to what he was doing in his full-time role, unlike me, where I completely shifted gears. So I was really honored and excited to, to talk to Tom. Some of the things we got into today, we talked about how and why he actually refunded his very first initial customers. We talked about the process that he went through when he was just starting out. He actually did some keyword research to figure out the exact niche that he should get into within the field of mechanical engineering. And it wasn't exactly what he ended up getting into wasn't exactly what he thought he was going to get into, but the research showed that there was a big opportunity. And that's another big thing we talked about was the intersection of passion and opportunity and what that can do for you. So let's go ahead and jump over to that conversation with Tom Geis. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Jacques, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Look, I got to tell you, I think that your progression from what you were doing in your day job to what you now teach your online course about, it, it makes a little more sense than mine. You know, we were both engineers, <laughs> but now you're actually teaching a course that relates to engineering. Yeah, um, it, it was a natural progression for me. It wasn't anything, uh, you know, too crazy to jump into, like piano. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, it really worked out for me. Um, I could stay with the the current people that I've been talking with for years and years. So it made a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes too much sense, really. I, I think there's a lot of people that could take something away from that when they're looking to try to figure out what they could teach an online course about. And if you've got all this experience in a field and you know all these people, um, it, it just, it can really catapult you and start, start getting results so much faster in that field than having to start completely from scratch. So why don't you take us, why don't you take us back when, when and where were you when you first had the idea, Hey, I'm going to make an online course. Um, well, I think I, I first started with just the idea of seeing if I could get some sort of following. Um, you know, when I started, it was, it was mainly in the, uh, you know, I, I created a site for this topic. The topic is geometric dimensioning and tolerancing, um, very niche topic. Uh, but it's still something that's, um, you know, very, very important to, to my work that I did while I was, uh, at my job. So I, I became kind of an expert at it while I was working at ZF transmissions and, um, I decided to just create a, a website for it and I want it to be the best website in the industry for this topic. And, um, I originally planned on, you know, trying to monetize it in different ways, like creating ads, you know, doing affiliate type things. Uh, but it really just came into a natural progression. Um, I would get, uh, some users on the site emailing me asking if, uh, we could condense everything down to an ebook or something that they could, 
you know, just take away with them. So, um, you know, it made, it made great sense to do a course after that. Once people, I knew people were learning from us and things were going well. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what led us to be the course was, uh, was people were asking us for more information. So you didn't, you didn't start this business with the idea of, okay, I'm going to monetize it with a course. You started it just trying to put some information out there, not really knowing which direction it would go. And mm -hmm. people kind of demanded an online course from you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that um, it, it was a very natural progression for me with a lot of the comments, people were asking for more information. Um, they wanted to know more detail. Uh, you know, they wanted to see if we had any videos on this. So, um, you know, you do what you're, your users are asking for, and that tends to be a, a good decision. That's really interesting because a lot of people start kind of the other way and they say, okay, I have this topic, I wanna do an online course, and we have to start from scratch. You know, that's the way I did it with piano. I had zero audience, I had zero website. The first idea I had was online course about it. Well, you, by the time you actually um, came up with the idea for your online course and launched it, you had this huge following already, which was awesome. So I wanna go back to something you said, you know, when you first had this idea, related around this niche topic inside of mechanical engineering, you said you wanted to be the best website in the industry on this topic. Why on earth, what motivated you to, 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 want, to, to want that? Um, you know, it was something I used a lot at work. Uh, and while, while I was doing the research for the site to kind of get back a little bit, it appeared to be a topic that um, everyone, th there was a lot of competition for training of, of this area, but there, there wasn't anyone doing a great job at just providing a nice, easy to learn online reference for the topic. Anyone can go to learn about it and just find out more. It was kind of always behind some sort of paywall. Um, so, you know, I, I knew my way in would be providing some sort of, um, you know, free resource that could just be the ultimate thing that even if you're just brand new to the topic, looking it up, trying to find out more, um, that we can provide value to people who want to do that. Uh, so, so that was kind of the main reason why we wanted to go into this was um, it was something that was always, uh, it always felt like kind of an elite level that you had to gain to learn this. And it was something so important to what I did in my day-to-day -day work that I couldn't believe there wasn't more free content at least out there on the, webs on the web for this. So you, you always had like commercial intents in mind though. You always, you always knew you wanted to make some sort of business out of this and you figured the best place to start would be to figure out what, what kind of value you could inject, uh, what, what kind of value you could create that was just missing. There was a void there that people were, were already looking for. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, anytime you go into any market, it's great to find where the, you know, where there's a gap somewhere there. And uh, I, I definitely saw that um, even on the, you know, the content side, there wasn't anything, but I knew that if on the content side, there wasn't anything, that means that, um, you know, this was low hanging fruit to really go after. Uh, and it just happened to coincide with something that I knew somewhat uh, a bit about, you know, being a design engineer. So you, you basically did keyword research. Is, is that what you did? Yes. Um, I used the uh, SEO Moz tool for a few months. Um, you know, I, I spent quite a few months kind of researching different niche areas in engineering uh, before I came to GD&T. GD&T. Is, is there any 
explanation you could give, like an explain like I'm five explanation of what that is? <laughs> um, GDNT is a way of communicating functional intent on an engineering drawing. Basically, it's a way of showing requirements so that when you design them as a design engineer, the people in production can better understand them and they don't have to really make the part in a specific way. They can make it any way they want, but that um, you know still maintains these strict rules that follow for function. So that's as simple as I can put it right now. <laughs> I'm glad there's not a five-year-old sitting next to me because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still a little lost and I'm sure he would be too, but that's okay. And that's one reason that yours, uh, yours, it works so well is because you've got this niche that, you know, mechanical engineers are looking for and they, they probably know kind of roughly what it is and they need to find more information about this topic. And that's, that's when they end up going to you. So you did this keyword, keyword research and you weren't necessarily, um, when you first started out, you weren't targeting GD&T specifically, you, there's a lot of niches, different niches inside of mechanical engineering or engineering in general to begin with, but you use this, this uh, keyword tool and you discovered that GD&T would be a, a great place for you to, to get in this. Yeah. Um, I mean, it all comes down to, uh, you know, a few things that I looked at, which was uh, search volume, of course, but, um, you know, there's a ton of terms that get a ton of searches and that doesn't mean you're going to be the first one on the page when uh, someone lands on it. So the other thing was the um, keyword competitiveness and how highly other sites were ranking. Um, you know, when you look at the, the top 10 uh, other sites in Google when you're trying to do this research, um, you know, a, a lot of the sites look like they're from, you know, the early 2000s or the late 90s. And I knew that they didn't exactly have the best web presence. So um, I knew I could at least create something that that was a amazing engineering resource that people could flock to and really beat out at least in that content. So give me, give me a sense of the time frame here. What, what year is it that you're doing this keyword research? Uh, this was late 2014. I okay. started doing it. Um, I, I actually do have another site I tried first automotive engineering HQ.com. Um, it's uh, the, the, the search term obviously is automotive engineering. I was going after, um, but it, it turned out to be a little too competitive. There are many, many sites out there for automotive engineering. Um, and although my site still today gets about, you know, 10,000 users a month, um, it's, it's not really, uh, anything that I wanted to monetize. It was almost a little too broad. Um, and that's kind of how I, I changed over to GD&T because I knew it was something that. I could directly focus on and eventually create some sort of product or um, dedicate myself to something like that. Right. And you know, th this is three years later that we're talking about. And so my question for you at this point is, you know, for somebody listening to this and interested in what you've done, do you think the technique that you used to start developing your business, your website, your topic is still relevant and doable today? Um, I think it is. I don't think it's the fastest way to do it. Um, I think, uh, I think anyone could probably do it, but you have to be very patient with it. I think SEO is um, a very great method of, you know, eventually down the road, making sure that you get some sort of traffic or have some sort of following, but it takes years. Um, if I could do it again, I think I would combine it with some form of advertising or um, you know, other methods too. And I definitely would be building my email list a lot sooner. 
Okay. So let's continue down the, the timeline. So mm -hmm. you got the idea, you really nailed it down. You probably bought the domain late 2014. Mm -hmm. And that domain is what, by the way? Uh, it's gdandtbasics.com. So gdandtbasics.com. gdandtbasics.com. So did you uh, just kind of work through the night one night and all of a sudden you had this amazing website or was it a little more to it than that? Um, you know, it was a little more to it. I had to brush up on the topic quite a bit. I mean, uh, I knew about it, but I was nowhere near an expert yet. So, um, you know, as I built it out, uh, I broke it down into a set of probably 40 different pages that I knew were going to be on there. Um, you know, when you do SEO research, you don't just look for that top level term. You try to look for some long tail terms as well. The lower terms that will all kind of lead back into it. So, um, GDNT is a, is kind of a grouping of symbols too. So I did a page for each symbol, knowing that if someone uh, wanted to look it up, they would uh, need to search that symbol. And then they come across our site, which has the wealth of knowledge on the whole thing. Um, so I worked and created it page by page by page. Uh, I, I did this all on my own. Um, I had actually a graphic designer working for me who was not an engineer. Um, uh, out of Italy and he just did some nice sketches and things on the concepts that I wanted to cover. Uh, but I made sure that each article was the best article on the topic. Um, you know, I did searches for each, each level of, of topic or whatever one I wanted to do and would make sure that I had a very exhaustive, uh, setup, you know, when I, when I launched so that everyone, this would be the place to go when they wanted to find out, even if it only got a few hundred searches a month. And at the time you're doing all this, you're still a full-time engineer. So how did you find the time and the motivation to, to put in this work, to try to create this amazing content? Um, you know, I really wanted it at that point. I mean, this was uh, after kind of failing at my automotive engineering site. Um, but I knew it was something that I really wanted to do. Uh, I've, I've been, you know, I, I kind of always wanted to be on the entrepreneurial side of things. Um, so, you know, I would, I would work in the morning, I'd get up at 5am, uh, do some content development. I'd come home from work. Uh, I would do a little bit of it. Um, on the weekends and things I would, you know, check on the site and try to, um, work on things. You know, I'm, I'm kind of learning WordPress as I went along with it as well. So, uh, you know, it was a lot of guess and check and figuring things out, but, um, I knew that it would work uh, just because of the, um, you know, the, the, the very low competition. And I knew that um, going forward with it, that I'd have this ultimate asset, at least in the website that I could always turn to if I did need to um, guide my audience along, you know, in any way. Okay. And so when you finally, you had put in the long hours, you had, um, you had done the development, you launched your, your new site. Did the visitors come right away? Did that take some time? Talk, talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, the visitors never come right away. Um, unfortunately with SEO, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of um, link building and things you have to do just even internally on your own site before you can expect that, uh, you know, Google identifies you as a resource. I would say that it was probably into 2015. Uh, this would probably be about five to six months later that I started seeing my page creep up, you know, being on the second page of Google or, you know, eventually you get to number 11 and you're just hoping for that, you know, to jump up to the number 10. Um, 
But uh, you know, as, as I kept producing content, it would continue to rise. So I think there is a threshold to the amount of content that you need to have at least interlinked on your own site um, before Google takes you seriously. At least at that point there was. Okay. So, so your, your visitors just over time slowly increased, increased, increased. And there, there came a certain point where you started getting interactions with some of the visitors on your website. And that's when they started requesting more information like an ebook or a course or something like that. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, as soon as I got on the first page of Google in around 2015, um, you know, people would come on and we had, uh, I would say at least the early success, once people found out where we were, um, we were spread by word of mouth. So, um, you know, we'd get people coming in telling us that, uh, you know, that they heard from their, uh, their friend who's a machinist that he used the site and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you get the, the one friend to tell the next friend and that sort of thing. So we kind of grew that way. And, uh, on top of that, um, you know, we got great feedback. Uh, you know, we worked really hard, uh, early on to make this the ultimate resource. And, um, I knew as soon as, uh, you know, getting people on once they were looking at the topic that it was better than anything out there. So, um, you know, as we got people on, we got more feedback on what they wanted to hear next. What were the next topics? So at the beginning, we would just continue building pages on those topics. And um, because of that, it helped to, uh, you know, move us forward and uh, continue to produce content that people wanted to see regularly. And I think that's really important um, is, you know, don't just base your content on what you think is most important. Um, you really do have to listen to your customers or at least your users at that point and find out what is important to them and what do they want to learn more about. I think that's good advice, Tom. And, and I think the first part of that is just creating content because, you know, one of the, one of the mistakes that I made along the way is, you know, I kind of did the online course first before I did all the free content. And, um, and so you could, you can run ads to try to get people to buy your course. You can get all kinds of paid traffic in all kinds of different ways but you still need to build trust with people. And so you need to have some information that, that people can find about you, read, read on your topic somewhere on your website. And that allows people, it allows you to build some trust with them, give away some information for free. And then like you're saying, you can start to actually get feedback from these people and find out exactly what they, they're interested in learning more about. And you can write content, develop content, shoot videos, whatever, produce content for that specific topic. So I think that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think no matter what you do, however you get them on your site, um, I, I do wish I did a little bit more advertising up front. It would have definitely sped up the process, but um, you do need to have a dialogue with your user in some way. I think that's very important. How do you recommend doing that? You know, talk to someone that uh, you want to go into in the area that you want to go into. Uh, the thing that helped me a lot was I was surrounded by engineers already. So um, I would casually bring up the resource at work if someone uh, was, uh, you know, looking for something or was confused on the topic and just kind of stand over their shoulder, not telling them that this was my website and see how they interacted with it. Um, now everyone can't do that, of course. So um, the other thing is uh, commenting. Is, is very key. Uh, I think it's very important you follow up with every comment on your website. Um, 
The other thing is making sure that things are interactive enough that people are going to reach out. Um, you want to know what works and you really want to know what doesn't work. And, um, you know, putting yourself out there is a great way to get that response. Walk me through the, the course creation part uh, of what you did and what the, what that first launch looked like for you. Um, so I launched a little bit differently. I, uh, I did not have a full course release when I launched my course to the people that subscribed with me. So um, it was something that uh, I had to really push for. Uh, I, I got people on the email list originally. Um, and I told everyone that I was going to launch a GDT course for $50. And anyone who wanted to join, willing to sign, you know, sign up for this special list that we have. We're building a exclusive list for people like that. Um, so I got about a hundred people on that list, uh, after a while because I completely underpriced it. Um, I started announcing it and got three signups within like the first five minutes. Um, I ended up getting probably 12 or I think 15 signups after a while. And I realized, okay, this is uh, after one day, I realized that the price was far too low, <laughs> um, but it, it was good feedback. So I, um, I said, okay, well, to these 15 people, I at least had a, a nice little audience that was willing to send me money immediately for a course that didn't exist. Um, I gave them a deadline of when it would be done, uh, and I launched a, a few live webinars just to talk with them, see how they're doing, um, you know, engage them a little bit, see what they're, why they're trying to learn GD&T. Um, so I started producing the content and uh, I had about 30 lessons I wanted to release and I wanted to release to them about 15 within the, within three months. Um, three months came and went and I had about four or five lessons done. <laughs> so I had paying customers, no course, not doing what I wanted. Um, at that point, uh, you know, I, you don't ever want to overpromise something like that. I refunded everyone's money and said that they would be part of a pilot group. Um, you know, I said, look, sorry, we didn't realize how long this content would take to develop. It was just me developing the content at this point. So I refunded everyone's money, said that they would be, you know, part of the pilot group. They'd still get the course for free completely. Just, you know, be patient with us. Um, I spent the rest of the time getting myself to a point where I could launch the content, that original 15 lessons, the 50%. Uh, and so after I got to that point, I then opened the doors again for, uh, at a $150 price point. Um, I knew I was going to uh, price the course around $300 since that's where my competitors were doing. So I figured that would be a good launch price. And how'd that go for you? Uh, good. We got uh, within the first few months, we got about 75 signups, which uh, completely paid for all the development up front. Um, you know, I had to, I had graphic design, I had to outsource. Um, I had assistants helping me um, do some editing and things. Uh, I had to, you know, purchase recording equipment, microphones, things like that. So, um, you know, when we got that initial money coming in, it was great because we were able to pay for all the development. When you're just starting out, your costs are cheap. Uh, your costs are very low. Um, and that can really help. So 
uh, it was nice to get that response. And now we had to do the hard task of completing the course for everybody. You know, I got to tell you that it's, it's pretty big of you to, to, to have refunded those initial people because you could have just kept promising them, Hey, it's coming, it's coming, bear with me. I know that when I've made my first sale with piano in 21 days, like it was an epic moment for me. It was, it was $23 at the time, which is nothing compared to what it is now. I was actually in Starbucks in line trying to get some coffee. It had been like 24 hours since I had launched. I hadn't made a sale yet. I got that first sale and I was like literally dancing in Starbucks. And uh, th there, there's not much you could have done to, to, to make me give up that $23, you know? And so that's, uh, that's pretty awesome that you, you actually refunded those people because you didn't deliver on what you said you would. And it wasn't because you didn't want to. It's because it was just... It was just more than you expected and you really wanted to, you didn't want to um, cut any corners. You wanted to provide a, a, a good product. So you said, okay, let's take a step back. Let me refund you guys. Let's try this again. Let me, now that I've learned these lessons, let me, uh, let me do it the right way this time. And it seems like it paid off. Yeah. I mean that, that first, when you get that first PayPal payment or something, it's always a PayPal payment. I don't know why, but when, when you get that first PayPal payment, uh, there's something magic about it where you're saying that, in my case, I was getting money for some for an idea. It wasn't even a thing I had developed yet. Um, so it really does uh, does send you down a good path. But um, again, you know, I I knew kind of where I wanted this, and I knew the quality level I wanted it to be. Um, unfortunately, for being an an engineer, you kind of have this perfectionism when you release something. You think it needs to be exactly detailed. Um, so. Uh, you know, I probably in retrospect would have come out with a smaller version at least that I could have launched to them. But, um, you know, I, I think it was important to me to get people following me first. I mean, the money, I, you know, getting 15 people at 50 bucks, um, it, it, it's not the money that matters there. It's the following. It's that people are willing to open their wallets and give you that money to provide something. Um, and so, you know, refunding their money, it, it still engages them. It doesn't make them too upset either. And they're going to be extra eager to give you feedback on the product now. Uh, absolutely. So one of the, one of the coolest things that, that I think you've done with this whole process is you've quit your job, right? And yep. so at what point in this process did you feel comfortable with quitting your full-time job as an engineer and focusing, focusing on this full-time? Um, you know, like, like most people, I, I have a, a mortgage and, and bills to pay, you know, and of course I have a wife. Um, so that makes things, you, you want to quit before you're ready. Uh, and I definitely think though, it's important to build the traction that you need in your business before you're ready to go in full time. Um, you, when I was doing this, the thing I think helped me a lot as I was developing the course and as I was working with the first few customers is I honestly didn't care about the money I was making. I cared about the engagement and the quality of the product that I was developing. Um, and the only reason I was able to do that is because I had a full-time job. Uh, and the other part of that was it made me very efficient at it. I only had a few hours a day to do this work now. So I had to figure out what was really important when I was doing this? What did I have to cut? I just couldn't do. Um, and how to deliver on time. So, um, you know, it, still when you're working 
full time, it keeps you hungry. Um, and I definitely think it was important for me to see how it went before I, you know, quit a, a nice lucrative engineering career. Um, and you know, I, I reached, I reached different stages as I was, as I was doing it. I reached the first stage, which was, um, you know, I was happily going to work and happily coming home to work on this because now it was succeeding. And then I reached the second stage, which was, um, I started to resent going to work and wanted to just do this more and more and more uh, on the side. Um, but did not have the savings, did not have the, the traction, the customer base yet where it would make financial sense for me to leave my job. Um, then around uh, when I quit, it was April uh, 2016, I quit. Um, I hit a point where I realized that I was losing out on income now uh, at a point by working at this job. Um, it's not that I was making just as much as I was at my you know, career, but I was making enough that had I put more hours into it, I knew that I could turn it into being something as lucrative or more lucrative than what I was working on in my engineering career. So at that point, I knew it was time to leave. You know, I would argue that not only were you missing out on income, but uh, I'm sure that the like just the impact you have to people all over the world is far greater now than it was at your full-time job. I can't, I mean, I don't, I don't know you that well to know exactly, exactly what you were doing, but I imagine, I mean, you've got so many visitors to your site now. You've got a, you've got a lot of people buying your course and you personally are directly impacting those people's lives. And I don't know if you tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if you could have said that at least in the quantity of people about your full-time job. I mean, I, I definitely say that that was a huge factor too. Um, you know, I, all of us who do the online teaching, we, we like being that person over someone's shoulder, kind of helping them figure something out. I was that guy at my job. Um, you know, I was standing over some of the more junior engineers, helping them figure out how to put GD&T on their prints. But um, I can only work with one person <laughs> a day or, you know, only a few people a day limited to my job. And now uh, I can impact, you know, everyone from around the world. Uh, helping them with this topic that I know is very important that I use a lot uh, when I was a design engineer and I can help them not only learn the topic, but help them with their career goals and get to a point where they're a lot more confident at work. So it definitely has a big impact when you start reaching a high number of people. Tom, do you mind sharing any numbers just uh, website visitors per month, uh, amount of course sales you make on average, you know, per day, per month, any, any numbers like that that you want to share? Um, yeah, uh, we, uh, you know, traffic wise, um, it waxes and wanes with the, the seasons, but typically around the summer, we get about 60,000 visitors um, per month to the website just for this topic. Um, and uh, we've made, I think now we're up to a total of 2000 users uh, that have purchased in, in one way or the other. Uh, a majority of those are college students. We have academic partnership programs uh, with some major universities around the country. Um, and in that case, each semester we get, you know, 30 or 40 students purchasing from that university. So those numbers get skewed in that way. But I would say on the corporate side or the individual side, 
I think in the past three years, we're up to maybe 650 uh, corporate users now. So, okay. yeah. And those 60,000 visitors you get a month, that's, I mean, all that traffic's coming from SEO or what? Yes, unfortunately, everything is just coming from SEO. Um, I, I do think that in the future, we are going to uh, be expanding other channels. Um, SEO is great to get started. It's a nice, it's like a, uh, you know, it's like, it's not like kindling. It's like a thick log that you put on the fire. It burns nice and slow. And if you get it running, it runs really well. But um, I am entirely relying on an, another company, Google, to get my uh, users into my course and to sell. So um, we're going to be expanding and, and looking at other revenue channels as well. And I'd recommend everyone, you know, don't, uh, it is good to focus on one and really get perfect at it but um, it's not good to rely on one, I would say. That's, uh, that's pretty fair advice. So now, you know, this, this thing, it sounds like it's kind of a three-year venture to this point. Looking back over the past three years and going back to when you were using that SEO keyword tool and finding, um, finding GD and T and the opportunity that you saw, right? What would you do differently knowing everything you know today, going back three years, what would you do differently? Um, I mean, there, there's a few things. I think, uh, first of all, I'd, I'd find a way to get the content out a little bit faster. Um, you know, it took us over a year to make that first course. And I think it was just because it was me uh, entirely doing it on my own. Um, now we have a team of um, four other engineers that work with us to produce the content. Uh, they're all part-time, but um, they're all mechanical engineers use this topic a lot. So they're well aware how to use everything. Uh, and that really helps us produce content faster. Now at the beginning, you don't have any money to really throw at that. So SEO is a nice cheap option to go forward. Um, I do think though that I would explore more paid traffic, uh, early on. I think now paid traffic, uh, especially, uh, you know, dealing with Facebook and, and Google and LinkedIn too is another big one for at least my niche. Um, they're, they, they, they're seemingly expensive up front, but the, uh, once you have a product to put in front of them, they can be really powerful. And that's why we're beginning to explore all those options. So I think I'd look at low, low end paid traffic first, uh, as well as building an email list and making sure that I, really kept that email list engaged just with some free content up front to get them into raving fans uh, early on. The next thing I want to ask you is just about what advice you would have for somebody that's, that's more just starting out, maybe doesn't even have an idea. And one thing interesting about, about your story, Tom, is your, what you're doing now is kind of at some sort of intersection of passion and opportunity. You know, when I started my piano course, I just knew I wanted to have a course about piano. I didn't really do much in, uh, investigation and research into the opportunity and see that it was even there, but you did. And so that's, what's really cool. And I think the combination of those two, two things is really what's made it, made it work for you. But if there's somebody out there that's got a passion about something and they're thinking about, okay, do I want to take this thing and turn it into an online course? What advice do you have for those people? Um, you know, there's, there's always that balance between, uh, you know, the word passion and opportunity. Everyone says you have to find something you're passionate about to keep the fire in your belly. Um, I think that I, I would not say I am a hundred percent passionate about geometric dimensioning and tolerancing. It's not 
something that I think about all the time. Um, but what I do is I think about how can I help engineers in their career or build confidence, you know, that I wish I had early on. And so if you can find the passion in that way, you can then channel it into something that is lucrative as you're looking for what you want to go into. Um, you know, have your global view because you do need the, I call it the fire in your belly to keep you through it. I mean, I wasn't waking up for 5 a.m. because I thought GD&T was super fun and I wanted to deal with it. Come on, Tom. You know you were. <laughs> I, I did it because I, I wanted to help people and I wanted to eventually turn into a business. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I really wanted to help people. And early on, as I was going into it and hearing people's responses of saying, Hey, I, I've been on your site forever now. And I, you know, now I'm an expert at GDT. I just got certified or other things like that. Um, that really is rewarding to me. I love just helping engineers become more confident in any skill. So um, if you do have a passion for something like that, uh, there are ways of merging that passion with something that the market is demanding. And if you can find that intersection, uh, it's really gold um, to find something where you can do both what you like, like helping people, but also find something that people are demanding. And you really have to keep your ear to the ground and learn what the market wants in order to have something that you can provide. So um, I, that would be my advice, at least, uh, you know, going into it, that seemed to work for me. Tom, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm jealous of a lot of, the, uh, a lot of the SEO traffic you're getting. I need to, uh, I need to come, come here, here are some of your expert secrets one day on how maybe I can apply some of that to my piano website and, and other things. Uh, but I really appreciate it, Tom. Uh, where, where all can people find you online? Um, they can come to my site, uh, gdantbasics.com, uh, gdantbasics.com. And uh, that, that's my um, site. But we're also going to be launching another site called Engineer Essentials. Uh, which is more focused on the general topic of helping engineers. So um, that site is engineeressentials.com. Appreciate it, Tom. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Jock. All right. Thanks again to Tom for joining me on the show today. And if you out there are interested in taking some sort of passion or some sort of niche that exists in your current job and turning that into an online course, I've got a free quick start guide waiting for you, the eight steps to taking your hobby or passion and turning that into an online course, just head over to theonlinecourseguy.com and get started today.